0: Hi, this is Pastor Frank at First Discipleship Christian Talk. I just want to welcome you. This episode is mainstream Christianity versus Jesus Christ. So if you've ever read the Book of Acts, uh, in its entirety, you'll read about the birth of the church, the gathering of the brethren, and or the Ecclesia or Ecclesia. The application of what we read in the book of Acts is a blueprint. It's how to build the church from Jesus himself. Which way to build the church? This has been debated for over 2,000 years. Like I said, if you read the book of Acts, you're going to read the term Christian. This is the first time they were called that. And if you, depending on the version that you're reading, it'll say Messianics. And these terms, uh, specifically in the book of Acts and all of the epistles of the Bible is far different from the diverse sectarianism of Christendom as we witness today. So what if I told you that the modern construct of Western mainstream Christianity, American megachurch, and the 501c3 religious nonprofit organization status of 2023, evolved from a term called the Red Scare? I want you to bear with me so I can explain this progression. This is very important to what we believe and how we understand Christianity here in the United States. These historical events that I'm about to share with you, they're unintended consequences and outcomes. They're not intended or foreseen by any person or group. So for starters, in the late 1870s of post-American Civil War, there was a system that was put in place called sharecropping uh, now this dominated the agriculture uh, across the south this consisted of freed slaves and poor whites of the south so what they did is continued their preoccupation or occupation of working the fields is so what they we were at that time in the 18 18- 60s and 70s were a very agricultural uh, country so this was the system of work and production and and uh, crops and such this was the this was the the, the entirety of uh, our existence uh, working fields being farmers having horses and plowing and things like that very uh, agronomist if that's a word agronomy and so these families would rent small plots of land or shares uh, to work themselves. So in return, they would give a portion of the crop to the landowner at the end of the harvest season. These former slaves and poor whites, they, they were seeking jobs. So the planters also sought laborers. The landlords would take advantage of of these uneducated sharecroppers and sharecropping became another name for slavery. Post Civil War during Reconstruction of 1865 to 1877 is when sharecropping started. And sadly it lasted all the way till the nineteen forties. After World War One The Russian Revolution led to the toppling of the Romanov dynasty in 1917. And in the United States, labor strikes were on the rise. So because of that, the Sedition Act of 1918 enacted May 16, 1918. This was an act of the United States Congress. On September 30, 1919, approximately 100 black farmers attended a meeting of the Progressive Farmers and Household Union of America at a church in Phillips County, Arkansas. So many of these farmers were sharecroppers on white-owned plantations in the area. And the meeting was held to discuss ways they could organize or to demand fair payment for their crops. This turned out to be the Elaine Massacre of 1919, a.k.a. Elaine race riot of 1919 aka Elaine race massacre in the end 100 to 237 blacks and whites perished the great depression didn't make matters any better in 1929 and fdr's new deal just prolonged the great depression if you don't know who fdr is is franklin delano roosevelt fast forwarding the Southern Tenant Farmers Union was founded as a civil farmers union to organize tenant farmers in the southern United States. Originally set up in July 1934 during the Great Depression, the STFU was founded to help sharecroppers and tenant farmers get better arrangements from landowners. Moving forward, these events start to connect and there are concerns about the Cold War and communism in 1939 to 1945. After World War II, the Democratic United States and the Communist Soviet Union engaged in a series of largely political and economical clashes known as the Cold War. This raised concerns in the United States that communists and leftist sympathizers inside America might actively work as Soviet spies and pose a threat to the U.S. national security. The unfair treatment by corrupt landowners of sharecroppers created ideas of organizing and reversing the advantage with no laborers and no crops. That equals to no money. Then negotiations of fairness can begin. Now I want to compare two systems of constructs that evolved Marxist theory of the class structure, of bourgeoisie, and proletariat. The bourgeoisie, the capitalists who own the means of production, and the much larger proletariat, or working class, who must sell their own labor power. Communism is based on the goal of eliminating socioeconomic class struggles by creating a classless society in which everyone shares the benefits of labor, and the state controls all property and wealth. So the American whites fear a retaliation from former slaves becoming economically savvy, creating a fair socioeconomic workforce. So the workers' union sure sounded like communism to paranoid politicians, when really, the poor just wanted more pay for their hard work. So going back, slavery and forced labor began in colonial America, Jamestown, in 1607. The corrupt system of sharecropping till the end of the 1940s, which is roughly 260 years of oppression. Out of work, poor people outnumbered the landlords and landowners. And the fear was the Red Scare. So I needed to go through all of that to set up the historical premise. Now there's, of course, more to be said. Uh, There's a lot more in between. I'm just really bringing this uh, condensed in a nutshell form. You can take everything I just said and research it for yourself and you're going to find it to be true. Now moving forward, Harry S. Truman, our 33rd President of the United States, from 1945 to 53, realized the threat of communism and its threats to American democracy and capitalistic way of living. The American economy became predominantly capitalist only by 1900. FDR repudiated communism in 1933, quoting him, saying, I repudiate the support of any advocate of communism or of any other alienism which would, by fair means, or foul change our American democracy. Communism is a manifestation of the social unrest which always comes with widespread economic maladjustment. Dwight D. Eisenhower said, America is the greatest force that God has ever allowed to exist on his footstool. Now listen to him here. America is the greatest force that God has ever allowed to exist on his footstool. So, the mere idea of no social classes, no socioeconomic imbalances, and sharing the benefits of labor in a utopian world like that caught the attention of most minority groups and poor people as a need for a desperate social reform. Post-Civil War working-class laborers were integrating women and children into the workforce for a single household income to make ends meet. So many people were out of work during the post-Civil War reconstruction, which brings cheap labor or competitive wages. So the more people that you have that need jobs, and there's work, but if you're discriminating for Race, ethnicity, and color, it creates a more difficult way to reconstruct and get back on track. This is just a few facts here, so we'll just continue. In 1866, the first national coalition of smaller labor unions was founded in the National Labor Union. The National Labor Union lasted approximately six years and attracted nearly 600,000 members. Another National Union group emerged in 1869 called the Noble and Holy Order of the Knights of Labor, with 700,000 members, which dissolved in 1949. At the end of the 19th century, saw the most contentious and violent labor conflicts in the history of the nation. Between 1881 and 1900, approximately 23,000 strikes occurred, involving over 6 million workers. Unfortunately, in about half of the strikes, the laborers gained nothing. And in the other half, they were only able to elicit meager or modest gains. The issue of fairness in capitalism wasn't always pretty. It had its growing pains. What our nation needed was a good reminder of who we are and what our roots are in. A common ground to agree on hope and freedom. The Truman Doctrine is an American foreign policy that pledges American support for democracies against authoritarian threats. The doctrine originated with the primary goal of containing Soviet geopolitical expansion during the Cold War. The long track record of socioeconomic injustice of post-Civil War era to its own citizens lasted until the 1940s. At this point, the U.S. was in a crisis and a good president would recognize the crisis of a need for a national direction. Before I get to President Truman, I want to conclude this episode with this. I want to introduce you to James William Feifel, Jr., Born June 5th, 1899 and died February 25th, 1977. Was an American congressional minister who led the first congressional church in Los Angeles and was co-founder and president of the Conservative Free Market Organization Spiritual Mobilization. His nickname was the Apostle to Millionaires. Fifield was instrumental in ushering the unholy alliance of corporate-funded Christianity and Christian identity politics in the United States. Politically conservative but doctrinally liberal, he crafted an interpretation of the Bible that catered to his congregation. Notably, Fifield dismissed the many passages in the New Testament about wealth and poverty and instead ensured the elite that their worldly success was a sign of God's blessing. So this will conclude this episode, and look forward to the next one. This is Pastor Frank for discipleship Christian talk. God bless.